All right, what's up, guys? It's Analyst, and we're back again with another week. This week, me and Faraz, uh, we're going over running backs. So we went over quarterbacks last year. You guys saw my rankings the day after. This week, we're going to be doing something very similar with running backs, although we're just going to keep it to the top 15 uh, for the running backs this week. Quarterback, we kind of went a little bit all over the place, but we're going to stay within the top 15 this week. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming back for us. Hopefully we no. can keep doing this every week. Yeah, man, I'm surprised. Like, this is only a few days after the last one. This is good This is good <laughs> progress. I like it. Maybe we can do this again next week, you know, keep the rhythm going. Absolutely. And and I think what the um, funniest part is, we're recording this, what is it today, Tuesday? Yeah, today's Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're recording this on Tuesday. I don't plan on posting this until Friday evening, not Friday evening, like Friday morning, Friday around noon, so... Uh, hopefully nothing drastic changes with the running backs in the next four days or so. But it's <laughs> right. 2020, so who knows? Anything could happen. Maybe um, Dallas could sign this deal by then? Maybe he does, and then <laughs> I'd have to move him up from where I have him now. <laughs> Although I'm not too worried about it. But we'll we'll get into that a little later. Right. So um, I guess there's nothing else to do but get started. So let's, let's go over the one and two right now. So go for it. as far as running backs, and, and when I'm talking about these guys, I, I always think PPR. So that's just going to be the unspoken thing where every time I'm mentioning where a player finished or uh, just basically where they are in my rankings, it all has to, it's all tied into PPR. So if you're in standard, I'll try to include something at the end of like, you know, in standard, probably not this high on him or whatever the case may be if it's flipped. So just so you guys know, if you're listening. Yeah, I'm the same way. Same way, exactly. Anything I talk about, like, it's just full PPR. That's just how I kind of just roll now. (laughs) Have you ever been in the standard league? To like, be honest, I'm not in any standard leagues. I'm not in any half PPR leagues either. Believe it or not. It's funny. My my family league, we were in a half PPR a couple years ago, and then we tried PPR. We're like, we're not going back. Yeah, exactly. I was in so many. Actually, I think most of my leagues were half PPR. And then once we once we just it was always that one thing like what you did it was like okay let's switch to PPR full PPR for one year and then let's see how we like it and then we never went back. Exactly, and it doesn't make sense. It's really uneven. You know, if you look at like rush attempts to catches, some people think you should get points for rush attempts. Whatever it is, it's not fair, but it's just it's the best way to play it, and that's right. just plain and simple. <laughs> so <laughs> with that out of the way, uh, I have CMC as my number one. I have Saquon Barkley as my number two. It's extremely, extremely, extremely close for me. Uh, probably closer than all, than a lot of other people. The thing with Chris McCaffrey is I am a little worried that it's a first-year head coach, uh, a first-year offensive coordinator, who, by the way, they weren't on the same team in college. They haven't worked together before. Um, and then Teddy Bridgewater is the new quarterback, and he hasn't been a week one starter since 2015. Um, you know, but... You know, you look at the situation and realize, like, Teddy's a smart guy. He was able to be thrown into the fire with the Saints last year when Drew Brees got hurt, and he did just fine. Um, I, I don't think he'll have too much of an issue. I, I am I, – you know, we, we just haven't seen enough of Teddy recently, at least. Right. So that's what I'm worried about in that aspect. If anything, that could be better for CMC. Who knows? Um, it, it's definitely better than the situation he had last year with the quarterbacks. Uh yeah, so CMC is going to get the job done no matter what. Um, I, I think he'll definitely have some regression, which is what gives Saquon Barkley a chance to catch up to him. But right. at the same time, like, it's, you know, he, he's insane. He's a monster. He's the running back one. He's a wide receiver one on that team. There's no questioning that. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look at McCaffrey, um, there's no doubt that he has the talent, right? And there are a lot of changes coming into play for him this year, but it just so happens that, you know, he just happens to be that good, right? And that's why he's still the number one overall pick. Like, usually when there are changes, uh, you know, to any any running back situation, you're like, all right, you know what, maybe we'll just peg him down a few slots, but not with him, right? Um, because you know that he's going to get all the work, right? Um, see, these guys that you mentioned, McCaffrey, Barkley, do you have Zeke number three? I do have Zeke three. Okay, so these are the guys that, you know, they don't have a guy coming in for them on third downs, right? They're going to play a very high snap percentage, and then they get high touches, and they also happen to be very, very talented, right? So that's why these guys are going one through three. Um but, you know, you, you talked about the situation with McCaffrey. Joe Brady, you know, he is uh, – he he was the offensive coordinator for LSU. He was basically the magic behind Joe Burrow, right? And um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he caught the most balls in the SEC, um, of, you know, among all running backs over the past, like, 20 years, <laughs> right? And this is in college, right? It just doesn't happen like that. Like, when you look mm-hmm. at the pass-catching running backs of, of the NFL today – like, those guys were catching, like, 15 to 20 balls per year, right? Um, and then they come into the league, and then they have a chance of getting, like, you know, an 80 yeah. reception. Like, look at Alvin Kamara, right? It wasn't anything crazy. I mean, obviously, he had great efficiency numbers in college, and that's what you look for. But, um, you know, Joe Brady is a guy, to me, who, you know, is going to pepper McCaffrey. Um, and then when you look at their head coach as well, he's a guy who also, in college, had uh, a running back who had a ton of receptions too when you compare it to the rest of the college landscape Mm -hmm. um so i'm not worried about mccaffrey in the the passing game uh the running game he's going to get his there isn't going to be a running back that that comes in and takes away too much work from him are you telling me reggie buffon didn't didn't he have like okay reggie had i just have to double check this you can still see me right i see okay so reggie buffon Bonifon. Bonifon. He had 7.3 yards per carry. It doesn't mean anything. I hope you know it doesn't mean anything, but it's just (laughs) I have to mention it because that's who I am. That's it. Um, I don't. I don't want to spend too much time on CMC or Saquon Barkley. Everybody kind of knows the deal, but um, I mean, it's good to know. know, Saquon Barkley did have a. You know, he has an improvement when it comes to his offensive line. You know, his quarterback is coming to his second year. So, you know, there's a couple of good things that, you know, are, are, you know, in his favor for this year. And plus, you know, he had the high ankle injury last year as well. So, you know, there's a lot of things that can improve, um, in, you know, with his situation. Yeah. And I mean, Saquon Barkley, you got to put him at number two. He's just a freak of an athlete. I mean, what did he, he came back from a high ankle sprain after two weeks? Dude, it's a beast, man. Just, it's ridiculous. It's and almost like his, like you it's said, like his quads, like do all the work for him. Like his yeah. ankles don't have to worry that much because his quads just do some of the work. It's insane. Saquon's. So yeah, Sa- Saquon's easy. Number two for us. Now coming in number three, we have Zeke. And would you believe me? If I've told you, you may already know this, that Zeke has never missed a game due to injury. That's amazing, man. Dude is durable, man. He's available. That's like, what I love about him. I mean, besides the holdout, he's available. Mm-hmm. Love it. Now we, you talk about like, um, you talk about like old time running backs and how they're not built like they used to be. And Zeke is built like they used to be. I mean, right. he's only twenty four years old. He's never missed a game in his career. He doesn't have any 
nagging injuries from college. Right. There's no specific concerns with his knee or anything. Like Ezekiel is one of the mo- is the most consistent running back in the league over the last four or five years. Um, but yeah, he he has not missed a single game due to injury. Obviously, he was suspended for six games. I think it was two years ago. That's right. Um, That's right. I said that he was. I said, I said that he missed games due to the holdout, but he didn't miss any games due to the holdout. No, was, he didn't even miss games due to the, the holdout. Suspension. That's right. And then there was. Uh, I looked back at the data, and there was two games he missed. One in 2016. One in 2018. And I was like, ooh, maybe this isn't right. But both those games were week 17 when they were sitting their starters for playoffs. And I went back and checked and made sure he was there the week before, right. there the week after, looked at the reports. He, you know, Dak wasn't playing either. So <clears throat> Zeke has not ever missed a game due to injury. That's amazing. That alone, and um, Smitty talked about this before, Zeke has the coronavirus right now. Uh, we, we don't know the situation with building up antibodies if you can get coronavirus types. We're not going to try to guess. Um, but either way, if he does get antibodies... Maybe there is a chance he doesn't get it twice. It could help his value in some sort of way if he's healthy. When If he comes out of this healthy, apparently he's asymptomatic. But um, obviously a situation we're going to monitor if but listen, it somehow man, if, gets worse or whatever. If Saquon, doesn't have, if Saquon doesn't have coronavirus and Zeke does going into the season, I might have to put Zeke 102. I might have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to, man. I might have to. Based on that alone. Yeah. Now, I will say, like, coronavirus aside for right now, we'll say, like, the season starts, everything's fine. Um, So, he's only 24, 24 years old. But one thing I did notice is he did start losing some of his passing down work last year. And I feel like that could be a similar trend for this year. Originally, I did have him. Uh, I had him pretty low. When I first did my rankings at the beginning of the offseason, um, just because I feel like Tony Pollard is going to see a bigger role in the passing game, they definitely like Tony Pollard as a pass catcher. Uh, at the same time, you have you have uh, Amari Cooper, you have Michael Gallup, you have C.D. Lamb now. Like wh- you have Blake Jarwin. Why do you feel the need that where you have to pass to the running back? Like obviously this is a mismatched situation, but you have all these weapons. You have Tony Pollard who's definitely capable of doing that ro- same role. Not to say Zeke's not going to get any. Passing work, but I think his passing work is going to go down, and that does, for me, keep him out of that top two elite category with CMC and Saquon. But um, because you know, obviously with CMC, he's just a thousand, a thousand, and then Saquon, he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game too. But um, just point being, I'm a little cautious about that with Zeke. But either way, he's still the safest running back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he's a lock for like at least 45 catches or so. I think last year he had like 50, I think. Um, 54 catches last year, so not bad. Um, but he had 77 and 95 targets the year before. So um, there's obviously a big change, but you know the weapons changed, the offense changed. It went from a run-heavy offense to to uh, you know kind of you know a, a more balanced offense. You know with Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have. I know it's going to be pass heavy. <laughs> yeah, McCarthy coming in, it might even lean more pass heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but McCarthy, when he's had like a good running back, a good workhorse running back, he's had, he's he's used them uh, in a way where you know you would be happy. You know what I mean? Like he, he could he was he would use Zeke in a in a in a workhorse type role. So I'm not too worried. Now the efficiency might go up though. Um, the the touches overall touches might go down just a little bit, but. I'm not too worried about it. There aren't going to be too many running backs playing. Uh, I think like where he's fitted, like right at that number three spot, mm-hmm. is like is like a perfect spot for him. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So would, yeah, good good value for like Zeke this year. Would you agree that there's like a, a a good tier jump between Zeke and the next guy? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say Zeke's in a tier of his own. I wouldn't put him in the tier with CMC and Saquon, but I definitely say he does have the leg up over the next guy. And the next right. guy for me is uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, he had he's had I love it. He's had 81 catches every single year of his career, which I think is hilarious and. I've started doing this thing recently where I started doing my projections for every single team, and I'm just going to write in that 81 next to his catches off the right off the bat. Um, <laughs> so he's going to be healthy entering this year. He dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Breeze is going to be healthy. And the only thing we can ever really worry about Kamara – now, he, he said in an interview recently. I think he's, it's pronounced Kamara, but everybody says Kamara, and he prefers Kamara, but his mom says Kamara. I don't know. So, right, so just I, in case you're wondering, he prefers technically Kamara. Both, both are correct, then. If his both mom calls him Kamara, I mean, that's correct, too. Yeah, so you can call him whatever you want. He prefers Kamara. So, in that's case true. he's listening, which we obviously know he is, I'm going to say Kamara. Well, I'm going to DM him. I'm going to DM him after this. No, I'm going to let him know. <laughs> so... Both him and Breeze are going to be healthy. The only thing with Kamara is that we always have to worry about, not even have to worry because he always comes through, but we have to worry about his touchdown dependency and his efficiency. Because if his efficiency isn't up here and if his touchdowns aren't up here, he's just, you know, he's got the 81 catches, but he's not seeing like Zeke, Saquon, CMC level rushing attempts. You know what I mean? And if he's not getting those touchdowns, then he's going to fall way down past the top 10. Obviously, in PPR, it's going to keep him at a safe floor. But um, in that aspect, you're kind of relying, uh, you know, you're relying on touchdowns. You're relying on him being at the utmost efficiency when it comes to him scoring points. And they also added the Manuel Sanders. Jared Cook is there. Michael Thomas, as we know, is what he had, like 180 targets last year. So uh, there are other weapons to compete with him but uh, I'm sure he'll get his fair share when it's all said and done. And he's healthy, which is the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, we know that the Saints always like to deploy that multi-back backfield, mm-hmm. right? Latavius Murray is there um, now. And then on top of that, we had to worry about Alvin Kamara's efficiency and not necessarily his his huge, a huge workload for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was being drafted as a top three back last year. And yeah. I personally, I was not in on that. And now he's being drafted as a back-end RB1. And, and now I'm back in. Right, like he absolutely he averaged 20 touches per game uh, before his high ankle sprain, and, and and it's really tough to judge him after that point. You know what I mean? Up mm-hmm. in, like after that high ankle sprain, you can't really judge him too much, right? You can't. Yeah, take I mean, look at Saquon. There was a game where Saquon had like negative yardage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then like he had a killer game like mm-hmm. after that too, right? So you can't you kind of have to like take it with a grain of salt. But um, you know now. I want to talk about those 20 touches for a second, right? Like the 20 touches that he averaged per game before his high ankle sprain. Um, those 20 touches aren't the same 20 touches as a guy like Derrick Henry would average or Josh Jacobs would average, especially in PPR leagues. Because in PPR leagues, receptions are worth almost three times as much as a carry in PPR leagues, right? Yep. It's like 2.7 or 2.8. So if Derrick Henry is getting 20 carries and you put Kamara's touches on that same scale, Kamara's touches equate to almost 30 per game. Yep. 
right? If you if you look at it on the same scale. So basically, Kamara is averaging, you know, 14 carries per game, 5.5 catches per game last year. And then Henry, you know, averaging 20 carries and like maybe like what, like one catch per game. So if he's lucky. Right. So if you put that like on the same scale on a per touch basis, I'll take the Kamara side of it. You know what I mean? Um, at his price also uh, in PPR league. So, um, you know, he has a clear handcuff in Latavius Murray, who can be an RB1 without Kamara if he gets hurt. Um, so I- I'm in on Kamara this year. This is the first time I'm actually in on him um, outside of his rookie year. <laughs> <laughs> and I-, I think there is some cost of concern because I-, I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is nothing. I- I'm not necessarily looking to draft Emmanuel Sanders, but I've talked about this before. Emmanuel Sanders last year came off, what was it, a torn Achilles? He came back ahead of schedule at the age of, what, 31, 32 years old. Not only did he play every single game, but he played 17 regular season games, and he played all the way up to the Super Bowl because he was traded midseason, and he still started. So he never got his bye week, and then he played all the way up to the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is definitely still a threat. He was definitely still playing at a high level. And um, even at his age, I, I'd recommend, you know, I, I'm getting lost in my words here. But no, basically, I, I, if I, there's I, a year for Kamara to not have 81 receptions, I think it would be this year. Right. No, I, I hear that. And and I think that them being able to grab a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, like, they can kind of ramp up their passing game just a little bit. Um, right. You know, if Kamara and Latavius Murray are both healthy, then, yeah, you know, you want to kind of run – you you know you want to run that offense through the um you know through the backfield, um but the fact that they have Michael Thomas they can take away a little bit. Of, remember how many targets and catches Michael Thomas got last year, right? And, you know I think this is more about getting the you know getting a, a weapon outside of him than taking touches away from Kamara. You know what I mean? Like he needs Michael Thomas needs that compliment and the fact that he was able to get it done the way that he was able to get it done without mm-hmm. that compliment, like that just shows you like how much of a baller that dude is. Absolutely. And, you know, he's Michael Thomas. He's definitely one of the best wide receivers in the league. There's the debate between like him, Adams, Julio, Hopkins, but um, it's hard to argue with that. What would he like break the record for receptions last year? Yeah. Broke the reception record. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Some serious stuff. But getting on to the fifth running back here, he's one of my favorites to target this year. Uh, Depending on how your draft goes you can get him at the late first you can get him the early second uh for me joe mixon is my number five running back that's a little surprising for some people but he's got an improved offensive line he's got a better quarterback he has healthy weapons to stretch the field when i'm talking about healthy i'm talking about aj green being back on the field over his toe and i'm talking about t higgins that deep threat john ross being healthy uh tyler boyd as we know is going to be on the field so the thing with joe mixon is in the first half of the year, I believe he play, he averaged like 53% of the snaps per game in the first half. In the second half, he averaged 65% of the snaps. And yep. also, he was the running back 31 in the first half, and he was the running back 4 in the second half. And that was with a, t- a horrid offensive line that was through the Ryan Finley experiment. That was through the changing of the quarterbacks. That was without A.J. Green. So now let's put all those pieces back together. Right. Let's get Jonah Williams back at left tackle. They have those receivers to stretch the field. And two years ago, just two years ago, Joe Mixon was the running back 10. He had over 1,300 yards. He led the AFC in rushing. He had eight touchdowns. So I think this is a better situation than that. And on top of that, we're seeing with Zach Taylor without Marvin Lewis having that 
commitment to Giovanni Bernard, we're seeing Joe Mixon become a true workhorse in this backfield. I think in that true workhorse role, we could see him finish as a top five running back easily, even in a you know with a rookie quarterback. And you talked about before you brought up how um, Clyde Edwards-Helaire saw a ton of passing work. What, what was that stat you brought up? It was like uh, he had like the most receptions in the SEC over the past like twenty years. Yeah, exactly. And then that guy is throwing to Joe Mixon now. Right. So, you know, all, all good news for Joe Mixon. He's healthy. I don't understand the injury. He's, some people say he's injury prone. There's no evidence to support he's ever been injury prone. He had yeah, a couple injuries, fine. as some running backs do. I think he he's had fine. like a torn MCL last year. He came back. He was okay. Yeah. And. Or the year before. I hate to keep going on about this guy, but he's just one of the guys I really love for this year. And um, one one other thing I want to mention is if he didn't have that incident in college, I believe I, I don't even remember. I, I think it was the year Leonard Fournette got drafted. It was that that really good running back year. Joe Mixon was part of that class, and if he didn't have that issue in college, if he didn't have that off the field issue, he easily would have been the first running back taken that year. And Leonard Fournette was taken fourth overall. Yes. So I'm. 100% on board with that. 100% on the Joe Mixon train. He's talented and he's going to finish top five. That's all I have to say about that. Hey man, I'm actually with you. Um, he is either yeah. number five or number six for me uh, between him and Kenyon Drake. Um, I, I, he averaged 25. I think it was 25 touches in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, he was in very involved in the pass game, even with Gio Bernard slightly involved. Um, like you said, averaging 60, 65% of snaps during that span. So, yeah, like I'm all in on that. Like I'll, I want to be set up with like my running backs. As, and if you're going to take him at the end of the the first round, um, he's going to be your RB1, right? And I want to be set up with running backs who are going to be involved in the pass game and can rack up 20, 21, 22 carries per game as well on top of that so you know he can like i said 25 touches that wasn't just on the ground he was getting three four five balls uh caught every single game so or you know especially during that latter half of the season so um i'd rather be set up that way so i I totally agree with you now you know the reason why you know we choose someone like him over a guy like maybe like derrick henry or josh jacobs and i'm going to keep using those two as the example is because they're not as involved in the passing game Mm -hmm. so in ppr leagues especially those guys, yes, you know, even though they get a ton of carries, they are touchdown dependent. Yep. Period. Like, if you get 20 carries for 89 yards, that's 8.9 points in a full PPR league. That's just not going to get it done from your RB1. It's you get three catches now, for 60 yards. That's nine points. Exactly. So, like, if you get, you know, if if Joe Mixon gets 17 carries for like 74 yards plus three catches for 36 then you, you set up a lot more. The floor is a lot higher, and then he could potentially get those touchdowns as well. So you don't want to depend on those touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Give me Joe Mixon all day long. Like you said, he's talented. He was undervalued in the draft. Uh, well, he wasn't undervalued. He was just taken later because of the incident the off-the-field issues. But that seems like that's all behind him now. Yeah, it's behind him. He hasn't had an issue since. So yeah. all has been well for Joe Mixon. I'll, I also want to mention that, like, the Bengals run – last year they ran the most uh, 11 personnel of any team. So, which means that, you know, teams are going to be mostly in base nickel defense, meaning there's going to be one less linebacker on the field, one extra DB on the field, and one less guy to basically tackle Joe Mixon. 
So that's exactly that's, that's very um. And with the eleven uh, personnel, you have the three wide receivers on the field. Two of those guys being likely AJ Green, John Ross, or Tyler some Wade. combination yep. with T Higgins in there. You're gonna have deep threads. You're gonna have guys you can't exactly. ignore on the outside. So that's a good point. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, so now we got Joe Mixon out of the way. I can kind of relax a little bit. That, that was my biggest guy. I mean, out of everyone this year, I'm so in on Joe Mixon. I took him in the throne league we're doing. Right now, my team is Joe Mixon, Julio Jones, Robert Woods, and Le'Veon Bell. And we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell in a little bit, but he's someone else who I really like for this upcoming year. I know you like him, too, because you're a Jets fan. Can I just say uh, that when I saw your post on Instagram, like, updating with the fir- your first four picks – I thought your draft started out so well. Are you as happy? I mean, I'm. I'll be. I'll be thrilled with it. Personally. Yeah. So when we when it came to our second pick, we were really looking to get Kenyon Drake instead of Julio Jones because he was available at that point. Oh, was he? Interesting. He was, and I was really pushing for him, but ultimately it came up to whatever the followers voted because that's sure. you know how this league is being run, and yep. uh, it's hard to pass up on Julio at that spot too. Because Julio right. being available at the 2-3. But I would still rather Kenyon Drake, but I'm happy with the way it turned out. We ended up getting Julio. We have Robert Woods to pair him with. Right. Bell is our running back, too. So I'm happy with it so far. Do you mind if I just talk about that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are like 10 running backs being taken in the first round. Oh, absolutely. That's Every fucking single, crazy. Like, every mock I've done, it's always been like that. I did a mock yesterday, right? And I noticed this trend, and I'm like, okay, I want to see how far I could take this. So first round, I took Devontae Adams. I saw he was there at the 109. I was like, okay, that's good. And I took Devontae Adams because I'm like, okay, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, and who else was it? I think it was Nick Chubb. They were all available, all five of those running backs. So I'm like, okay, by the time it gets to the 204, there's got to be at least one of those guys left. None. They were all <laughs> gone. So and that's a, that is the strategy. That's the strategy you want to take, too. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, you want to go running back heavy. No, well, that's a good strategy. Like what you just mentioned is like, okay, I'm, I'm picking in six picks. Mm-hmm. There's five running backs available. So why don't I grab the stud wide receiver and hope that one of those. Just any of those running backs just fall to me, but yep. none of them did. That's insane. And none of them did, but because none of them did, that means the stud wide receiver fell to you. So oh, I ended that's... up getting Julio Jones at 204, right? There you go. And the running backs did not stop there. I believe there was like 20 running backs by the time <laughs> I got to my third round pick. But guess who was available in the third round? Who? Allen Robinson. There you I go. I got him. I got Allen Robinson to the 309. So. Nice. I have no running backs. It's the fourth round. My The only guy left is David Montgomery at that point. And fourth round isn't an ideal spot to take him. But if I don't take David Montgomery there, who, by the way, was the best running back available. James Conner was gone. Like, everybody else was gone. Right. And my running back one would have been, like, Darius Geis in the end of the fifth round, which is right. not ideal. So I ended well, up okay, doubling though, up. Because David you know, Montgomery is probably – he's probably going to get, like, 275 touches. So, like, you, you know, just go with the touches at that point, right? Exactly. Um, and then well, while we're on the topic, I just want to – it's so funny because whenever we're doing podcasts, it's like we're having a conversation. Just forget that we're being recorded. <laughs> it's okay. I think but, this, is, this is what the people want to hear, man. Absolutely. <laughs> so the rest of my mock, I ended up getting James White at the 509, which, I mean, first of all, all the running backs were depleted. Sony Michelle on the pop list, potentially. James White, PPR. 
figure why not running back two he'll keep me afloat um i ended up pairing him with Keyshawn vaughn i got ronald jones i got damian harris i got antonio gibson with all those running backs i can make something work and guess what i got tyler boyd in the eighth round the cherry on top. He's my fourth wide receiver. I got Allen Robinson, Devonta Adams, Julio Jones, Tyler Boyd. I didn't take another wide receiver in the rest of the draft because there's no need. So that's, that's kind of how my team ended. I, I like the way it ended up. Uh, obviously, my running back position is going to be a little iffy, but there's always room for trades too. Yeah, I'm just... So, uh, I'm just no, it's all good. Every time I see you get up, I always like pause, but it's like always the wrong thing to do. <laughs> I just got up to like fix my camera and Joey's like Joey got all flustered over here again. <laughs> Listen, man, don't worry about me. Man. Like you get all worried. <laughs> you gotta like get a sign and just be like keep talking. <laughs> keep talking. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I get it. You know, you, you you gotta get your running backs right. Uh, running backs are scarce. Um, but if you play in a league with three wide receivers and and a flex. You have to think about grabbing some wide receivers in the first and not reach on some running backs. You know, in a two-wide receiver league, sure, right? Running backs are a lot more scarce. But in a three-wide receiver league, there are high-end wide receivers who are going to outproduce a mid-wide receiver one by significant enough margin compared to the running back you just drafted over that high-end wide receiver one, if that makes sense, right? At at the end of that first round, right? Like. I'm not drafting Josh Jacobs in the first round. Like, he's great. I love him. Great talent. But Jalen Richard is coming in on third downs and passing situations. Right? Top 10, you know, Jalen Richard was top 10 in, in yards per route run, top 10 in uh, yards per reception. He just got extended in February, right? Uh, they drafted Lynn Bowden. Um, Jacobs averaged, like, 55% of snaps last year, Right? And if you want to talk about yeah. a correlation, sorry, man, I'm just going off. No, it's, let's talk it's about a correlation. Talk about Josh Jacobs. <laughs> let's talk about a correlation uh, of a stat to fantasy success as a running back. It snaps, right? He's not going to outproduce mid-level, mid-level RB1s the way that Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill will outproduce mid-level wide receiver ones or Michael Thomas, right? There's a good chance he's a low-end running back one, and he's being drafted like one. But in the first round, I think we should calm down just a little bit. Like, I understand when you want to get your stud running back. But, sure, in two-hour receivers, two-hour receiver leagues, sure. You know, you do what you want. Um, but, yeah, but that's what you're looking for, right? You want to have positional advantage, right? My RB1 versus your RB1. My wide receiver yep. one versus your wide receiver one, Right. My RB1 and RB2 is better than your RB1 and R- your RB2. You know, like I, wanna, I want my RB1 to outscore your RB1 by a lot or my wide receiver one to outscore your wide receiver one by a lot in a three wide receiver league, right? Especially in PPR. So take advantage of the wide receivers that are falling. You know, you got to zig when everyone zags. Just yep. because everyone's taking running backs in the first round doesn't mean you have to. I want to as well, but I'm making sure that I'm getting guys who are very involved in the passing game. Um, and when other teams have wide, when other teams have wide receiver twos as their wide receiver ones, mm-hmm. and you have a high end wide receiver one, you have a major advantage, especially in PPR leagues. All right, I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> and that's the argument with like tight end and quarterback. So it goes a lot of different ways, and you know that's part of the strategy. With that, I will I will say one thing on Jacobs though, <laughs> that Jacobs played 13 games, and he had I believe it was 245 carries. Um, on a 16-game pace, with if you add in the 
touches he got in the passing game, he would have had over 300 touches as a rookie on the year. Which is which is exactly what John Gruden, John Gruden's history has said. Exactly. So now they've said they want to get him more involved in the passing game. I, I know Jalen Richard is there, and obviously he's still a threat in that passing game. And and I have Josh Jacobs seventh. I don't have him. I don't have him sixth. I, I know we kind of skipped around a little bit, but I have him seventh after Devin Cook. Um, if he does get that passing work, he could be a top five running back. Hundred percent. Right. So if, so if he gets so passing down say, work, he will be the man. Like if if Jalen Richard mm-hmm. wasn't there, like I would be yeah. drafting him like as my RB5. Like, I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? And, and I understand the case of Jalen Richard being there. But at the same time, I think they want... I think knowing Gruden, he's going to want Josh Jacobs to be a dual threat type of guy. They don't want Josh Jacobs to be in the back of the like, Okay, we have to... Because every time he was on the field, like you talked about him having 50% of the snaps, but he still averaged... He would have averaged 300 carries for the whole, I mean, 300 touches for the whole entire year. So when he's on the field, he's being used as a workhorse. Every time he's on the field, almost every time he's on the field, he's touching the ball. So it just comes down to instead of handing it off, maybe he goes out wide a little bit and they throw it to him. So, and I think that's something they can easily do. And I think even with a small increase in snaps and maybe one or two extra passes a game, which I think is very, very viable, Josh Jacobs really has top five potential. And like I said, like I have him seventh right now because of what you said, because of how Jalen Richard is there. But I don't have him lower than that because he does have that great floor with all the touches he does get when he is on the field. So even a small increase can do a lot for a guy like him. And I think that small increase is bound to come. And Lynn Bowden, I was confused when they drafted him too. But at the same time, he was a quarterback, he was a running back, he was wide receiver. So I think he's really just a gadget guy for him. I don't know if he's really right. going to affect Josh Jacobs all that much. Right. So I think it, it, it might affect just the 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 depth of throw. Like if they want a play that they, they want to throw it, you know, within yeah. one to ten yards, like Lynn Bowden can come in for a handful of those plays. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll be too involved, especially in his first year. But, um, but no, I, I agree with you, man. I think – Josh Jacobs is going to be more involved in the pass game. Um, you know, if he stays healthy the entire year, he's going to have a good year, man. Like I think, you know, he gets he, he they love to 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 run him in the red zone and and you know when when they're inside inside the ten inside the five, like they would love to run him. He's going to get his touchdown. He's going to be good. And um, talk about like the the guys that it really tells you when they draft a guy like Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, it tells you how they want to run their offense. It tells me that. They want this offense to run through Josh Jacobs. Now, how does taking a wide receiver tell you that? Because he's a deep threat. You know, instead of going after a true number one guy like a Jerry Judy or a C.D. Lamb who could potentially be that guy, they knew. I mean, you look at Henry Ruggs. He was the third wide receiver in Alabama, right? He was like, it was Jerry Judy, then it was Devontae Smith, and then it was Henry Ruggs. He was the third target priority in Alabama. They didn't really use him as well as they should have. But when you put him on a team and expect him to be the wide receiver one, I, I think his role is going to be more of just stretching the field. Between him and Tyra Williams, you have Hunter Renfro in the middle, Darren Waller to catch passes as well. So, And Brian Edwards, a guy I really love, who maybe one day we'll talk about him. Right. But, um, 
point being, I think they want this offense to be built for Jacobs. They took him in the first round for a reason. They're going to stretch the field. His efficiency can go up on top of everything else. So right. I, I'm all on board for Jacobs. I, I would definitely take him in the late first, especially with all these running backs that you need to take. I just don't see his position where he's available at like the 11th. And like maybe he, he in my eyes, he could be the best running back available. And I'm like, I, I got to take him. Yeah, he's, he is going to be the best running back available like around that spot just because of how many running backs have been taken. Right. You know, I... Like, for me, like, I, I like to look at these running backs and say, like, okay, like, I'm getting the – I'm still getting a, a low-end RB1, but where am I taking them, right? I still want to make sure yep. that I, I value them according to, like, the entire player pool and not just the running backs, which is one thing that a lot of uh, – all these mock drafts, that's how they're doing it, right? They're like, oh, shit, like – you know, there's 14 running backs taken. I better take one right now. But meanwhile, like Devonta Adams is looking right at you in the beginning of the second round, and you're like, okay, well maybe I should look elsewhere. Like maybe I should look at Devonta Adams here. You know what I mean? So that's yep. that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's just like make sure you look at the entirety of the board. Um, you know, and you're not picking your RB 20 over Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 my point. Like you want to make sure that you're you're looking at these running backs, but also making sure you're looking at the entire board. Yeah, because a guy with like okay, well, you know, I'll I'll say that because I'm gonna talk about that later. We'll talk about I was about to bring up Clyde edwards alaire but I don't want to jump too all over the place. <laughs> sure. uh, I want to get back to Delvin Cook for a minute. He's my sixth ranked running back. I did have him at number three. Um, that was before the holdout news came out. And and look, with the new CBA, it is really hard for running backs to hold out. I still don't know how that situation is gonna exactly turn out. Um, but even if he doesn't hold out and he does what Zeke did and like comes back like week one, he, he has to go to training camp with CPA. Doesn't mean he has to do anything in training camp. So even if he does come back week one, Alexander Madison could be getting a bulk of the running back one snaps. Dalvin Cook's going to be a free agent after this year. We've seen a lot of teams like um, the Packers, like they drafted AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones is entering his uh, contract year. And it seems to be a new trend to where like teams don't want to pay up for their running backs. So they're taking that guy and letting those running backs walk. And um, I, I think there's a, there's a chance we could see that with cook. He's definitely a valuable asset, but at the same time, like it doesn't sound like the Vikings and cook are even remotely on the same page when it comes to a contract. So I am a little worried about cook, but if he's on the field, if he's playing 16 games, he's a top three running back for me. I'm not worried about injuries you know, that's just a product of the Vikings. And, I mean, like, it's a product of the Vikings not giving him proper rest when they should. Like, coming back from an ACL two injury. And then last year, he had, like, some chest issue at one point. And if he sat one game, he would have played the rest of the year. But they, you know, whether it's him or the team, I don't know. It's a complicated situation. But he's not injury-prone per se in that scenario. Um, I, I'm just a little worried about the contract. I'm a little worried that if Alexander Madison shows up, who, by the way, was their third-round pick last year, that he, they might give him a little more work. But um, offensive scheme-wise, it's pretty similar to what they ran with Stefanski. Uh, having, I said Stefanski. They were talking about it in the group chat. It says Stefanski. <laughs> Couch Kamara, makes that Kamara. joke. I don't know if you saw Couch's thing. Kamara, Kamara, Stefanski, Stefanski, <laughs> whatever the hell it is. Point being, it's, it's a similar offense with Gary Kubiak. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I love Dalvin Cook. Like, I was all in on Dalvin Cook last year um, because I knew he was coming off the ACL and the hamstring injuries wouldn't be an issue, and, and he, kind of, he was over that stuff, right? But I am worried about his shoulder. His shoulder injuries do worry me. Um, 
Now, the holdout doesn't help either, but it's really more so the shoulder for me. There's a higher than low chance that his shoulder gets dislocated again. And then there's a higher than low chance that he would need season-ending surgery if that were to happen. Um, And that's according to Dr. Edwin Poras, who is from FantasyPoints.com. He's a great follow on Twitter, at FBInjuryDoc. He has a whole article on FantasyPoints.com. He also breaks that down on Twitter just a little bit. Um, And because Dalvin Cook is going so high, um, I just rather uh, played a little bit safe there um, and grab one of these other running backs who are very involved in the passing game. Now, if Dalvin Cook wasn't hurt here or, like, if I wasn't concerned about his shoulder, like, I love Dalvin Cook. He, he might be my number four running back. Um, yeah. and he would be my guy. Like, I love his role. It's a very run-heavy offense. He's very capable in the passing game. And he's very involved in the passing game. And he's a workhorse. Um, so, yeah. So, I just – I'm probably out on him with my first-round pick. Um, I'll be looking for Madison as a bench stash. Uh, you know, if you grab Cook, though, um, you have to grab Madison. Like, you have to. If Cook's contract situation settles a bit before draft season, I think Madison's price should go down a bit. And that's kind of like, yeah, kind of yeah. like where you should It's a little high right now. It's a little high right now, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if Cook settles settles his deal a little bit early, maybe that happens. Like you said, they're a little far off. But um, And Madison is still being drafted in like the seventh or eighth round. Like, I'm good. I'll stay away from Madison. I might catch him on waivers or trade for him. Like, you know, kind of send, send somebody some Skittles for Madison or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, that's kind of kind of how I'm looking at it. So it sucks because I'm a big fan of Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm hoping that the shoulder injury isn't a huge deal and he's able to finish the season, at, at, you know, kind of reaching his potential that he couldn't really reach over the past couple of seasons because of various injuries. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, he's an injury-prone player. I'm just worried about this specific injury, not really the ACL and stuff like that, even though the ACL or the hamstring injuries, um, you know, they provide, like, a little bit – of of risk right not a whole lot but when you add it to the shoulder then you're like all right maybe i just maybe i just be a little play play it a little bit safe and go a different route so that's all yeah and like i said i I also really like dalvin cook as a player i was all over joey can you hear me yeah i hear you now okay yeah you're good now Okay. <laughs> it's still recording, right? Yeah, it's still still recording. I think you just All lost. right. But you were saying that you were saying that you really like Dalvin Cook too and and you were in on him last year? Yep. And I was in on him. That was basically it and then I hit my right. microphone and it moved the wire. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm back and I'm back to talk about the number 8 guy I have on my list, which is Derrick Henry. I I'm stuck between him and Kenyon Drake for the number 8 spot. I have Derrick Henry 8, but after reading my notes on him, I might move him down to number nine. I might move Kenyon Drake a spot up because obviously we touched on it a little bit before. We're talking about PPR leagues. He's not someone who's really involved in PPR. I mean, well, not involved in the catching passes. Deion Lewis being gone can help that. He does catch one or two extra passes as opposed to the one he's already catching maybe. But, um, you know, like, they lost some pieces in the O-line, one being Tyler Conklin, which is a huge part of that. He was like the right tackle, I believe, for them. Uh, Jack Conklin. Did I? Is it Jack Conklin? I think it's Jack. I'm pretty it's sure it's Jack. He went to the, went to the Browns. I got Tyler Conklin. It, okay, Jack. yeah. Tyler Conklin's like a tight end for the Vikings or something. But um, Jack Conklin, <laughs> who they lost on the right tackle, they replaced him with, 
I think it was like Isaiah Wilson, some first rounder at the end who people thought he wouldn't even be a first rounder, potential second rounder guy. So it's a downgrade nonetheless of the offensive line. Ryan Tannehill, is he legit? That matters a lot because if he's not legit, then it could really hurt Derrick Henry's efficiency. On top of that, Arthur Smith came out and said that um, the work that Derrick Henry's workload is going to depend more on the game flow. So if they're losing in games, then they're going to lighten his workload, which is basically what that means. And it seemed like they kind of figured out the Derrick Henry puzzle last year of like how to use him, when to use him early and often, try to get that early lead. But teams might know that. And when not the same offensive line, it might be a little harder for him to do that. He's still a six foot, 200, whatever pound beast running straight at you. He's still almost impossible to tackle. But at the same time, there is a little more risk than what seems to be on the surface. So, And if we're talking standard, he's an easy top five guy. Just yes. because that's what you want in standard. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's huge. <laughs> like like you, you, know, you mentioned, like he's so big. I mean, he, he gets like eight-man fronts all the time, and he just like runs through them, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he isn't as, as involved in the passing game as some of these other guys like Josh Jacobs. Uh, but like you said, I think Jacobs has a better chance of, of – increasing his uh, work in the receiving game than Henry does. Um, the Titans did draft Darrington Evans. Like, he's a guy who could replace um, Deion Lewis, you know, kind of yep. in that role. Um, so, you know, kind of, you know, got to pay attention to that too. But Henry, I think he was leaning towards the 70% snap range. Um, but either way, he averaged like 20 carries per game. Um, I'm out on both of these guys in the first round personally. Um, remember, you got Henry as a fourth-round pick last year, right? Um, yep. Now that he's in the first – I'm, I'm, you got to count me out, especially in PPR leagues. And I play in PPR leagues only for the most part. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is Derrick Henry going to score another 16 touchdowns this year? You know what I mean? That's kind of what you're banking on. Um, and I'm not sure. That's what you that. need. So, you yeah, need so. that one touchdown a game because like we talked about 100 yards is 10 points. That's nothing in comparison to what else you could be getting in PPR. Even 100 yards and a touchdown, that's 16 points per game. That's still a lot less than that's, that's not first round value. So yeah, no, exactly, exactly, and that's why like I rather have like your next guy. I rather have him. I rather have Kenyon Drake because you know he's super involved in the passing game. Um, so I just I'd rather have a guy like that. Yeah. So the thing with Kenyon Drake here, we'll we'll get into Drake a little bit. So Kenyon Drake, he's always been people people mistake it as uh like he's not good enough to get the work. Like Kenyon Drake has never been good in the league. And that's not true. Kenyon Drake's been one of the more explosive running backs in the league over the last couple of years. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity. The talent's been there, but the opportunity hasn't. Um, with the Cardinals, he does have a relatively low floor because if you look at like, you know, what they did with DJ, and DJ started off strong, but you know, honestly, I don't really know how much you can really say against Kenyon Drake. Right. Like the more you think about it, like, sure, his you can say his floor is low because he hasn't been in a workhorse season long position before. But I don't feel like that's good enough reason. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, realistically, he could be a top five guy. Yeah. Especially in PPR leagues, man. Like in PPR leagues, he can be a killer. Um, and yeah. that's why I like him. I, you know, it, it's a similar situation to Kamara. Right. Except that it's just just in a more spread offense. Right. Mm-hmm. Averaged about 20 touches once he got to Arizona. Four and a half targets per game elevates him 
in PPR leagues because of the extra value, like I talked about before, associated to targets compared to carries. Um, he has a clear handcuff in Chase Edmonds, right, who you can draft super late, who can be an RB1 as a result of the offense if Drake misses time. I don't think they're going to draft another – I don't think they're going to trade for another running back if Drake, if Drake gets hurt, right? I think they invested enough in the running back position. Um, so, yeah, so it's a similar position there where, like, he's going to be involved enough in the passing game and get, you know, 10 to 20 carries on top of that, you know, to the point where in a full PPR league, you know, I think he has a decent enough floor – and then the offense is looking to be a little bit more explosive this year, adding DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Kyler Murray going into his second year, um, Cliff Kingsbury with his second year in the NFL. Um, and I think now, like, the Cardinals went a lot three wide last year, not necessarily four wide and five wide, like what we thought they were going to do because of what Cliff Kingsbury did in college. Uh, but now, you know, he has more personnel, right? Andy Isabella going into his second year. Keyshawn, Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. So they can do it. They have the personnel. Four or five wide receivers Absolutely. and Kenyon Drake. Um, he's going to have a lot of room to run. And Kenyon Drake, like you said, has been one of the most explosive running backs um, in the NFL when he's given the opportunity. Um, if you look at a per-touch basis, you, you know, he has a long run. Um, you know, he's in like the, near the top of the league over the past few years um, as far as breaking off that long run. So, you know, I'm, I'm in on Drake. Like this is a, a no brainer for me. Um, there isn't a situation where there's a running back behind him who's like kind of like chomping at the bit um, to take his job. That's not the case. I think they're in on him. Uh, he, he proved that he was able to get it done in, in his limited uh, time, you know, with the Cardinals last year. Um, but they traded away David Johnson. Um, that was the telltale sign that they're good. They're happy. Um, well, I mean, they did get DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, <laughs> even if they didn't they're have definitely a running back, even if they didn't have a running back, they would have probably traded that David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that I'm in on Drake. Like he's, he is, he's, he might be one of the safer assets, honestly, in PPR leagues, um, you know, later in that first round. Absolutely. And after having these conversations, we're going to have to move him up a few spots. Probably, probably just above Henry because I still... In, I in PPR, right? I in guess. PPR, yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, Kenyon Drake is going right now at the 202. So I just I feel like that's that's good value. Like, if you can get... If you're at the end of the first, right, and you can get, like, Joe Mixon and Kenyon Drake as <laughs> your RB1 and RB2... You could have been a throne if you guys voted for Kenyon Drake. <laughs> if you get Joe Mixon at 111, and then you come around and get Kenyon Drake as your 201, you know, you're, you're looking pretty right there. Because Joe Mixon, most likely an RB1, and then your RB2 who can potentially be a mid-level RB1 has a huge positional advantage over the rest of the league's RB2. That's kind of what I'm going for if I'm going to do that. Um, just remember that if you're drafting somebody, if you're drafting an RB2 in the second round, you want to aim for somebody who has like uh, the upside of being a top five guy because if you get that positional advantage over everyone else's RB2 and your guys in RB1 or mid RB1, like you're, you're sitting pretty at that point, especially if you're in a, in a two wide receiver league um, where running backs are – are a lot more, um, a lot more scarce than wide receivers are. Uh, absolutely. So well, let's, let's go on to number ten here, which is Nick Chubb. Uh, I have Chubb at number ten. Chubb's in a great situation this year in terms of scheme. They have Kevin Stefanski there. 
they have Tyler Jack Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin. I am so yep. stuck on that. I cannot get Tyler Conklin out of my head. I just I, I hate Tyler Conklin. It's just Jack Conklin. Only Jack Conklin. They have Jack Conklin on that line now. They drafted uh who was it? That offensive lineman, I think it was tenth overall. Um, Jedrick Wills. They yes. took Jedrick Wills up, beef up the offensive line along with Jack Conklin. So they have a pretty decent line right now. And with Kevin Stefanski's scheme, Nick Chubb can be a real threat. But obviously the real threat to Chubb is having Kareem Hunt in that back. Because Kareem Hunt, I, I believe I saw a stat in the second half of the year, Chubb only had one game that was better than Kareem Hunt in a PPR scoring. So Hunt had, I think, like... I think he played like six, seven games, and Hunt was ahead in six out of seven of those games. So a little alarming for Chubb. I'm worried about his pass catching work. We talked about Derrick Henry before and how much that hurts his value in PBR setting. Um, but standard, just like Henry, Chubb can be a top five guy. So what, what's your take on Chubb here? He's like the guy that I'm most back and forth between, like of any of those like top 12, 15 guys. Like he's the guy. I, I don't know. Like I think at the price, I'm probably out. Right. Um, I think he's a I think talent wise, I think he's a top three runner in the league, like period. I think it's like yeah. him, Barkley and like maybe Zeke or something like that. Um, but, you know, we, and, and I think I've seen this a lot where like people have been saying that Kevin Stefanski heavily favors his RB1. Um, but like has Stefanski ever had another RB1 as his RB2 like he does right yep. now in Kareem Hunt? Like, no, of course not. So if I'm Stefanski, I'm playing these guys, you know, relatively equally, 50-50 split, maybe a little bit more to Chubb, you know, and just let defenses defenses have nightmares about that shit, right? Like, take advantage of your per- personnel. At the very least, you know, I would use Hunt, like like last year, uh, mostly in a pass-catching capacity like he was used, um, you know, uh, before Stefanski got there. But, you know, I think Chubb's ceiling and his floor is is relatively lower than a lot of these guys in the first round. Um, his ceiling is high, you know, if Hunt doesn't have a huge role, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, there's, there's a potential that there's an even bigger split or a, a more a closer split than there was last year. I think Hunt deserves the touches in both the run game and the pass game. You know, I think it's really that simple. You know, and if, like, just want to say, this is obvious, though. It's If either of these guys hurt, get hurt. Like, the other one is, like, yep. a, top, a top four back, like, easily. I think they're Absolutely. just right behind you know, the top three guys. Absolutely. And what's interesting about that is there's a world, right? So this is a new regime, right? And regime number 18 for the Browns. But this is a new regime. And with a new regime, there aren't ties to the old regime. And what I mean by that is Stefanski, and this is a realm of possibilities. We love Chubb. Chubb is a great runner. But there's a chance Stefanski comes in and says, I like the fact that Kareem Hunt can play all three downs. I really like Kareem Hunt. I believe Kareem Hunt's a great runner as well. Maybe Kareem Hunt sees even more work. Maybe Kareem Hunt is the running back 1A and Chubb is the running back 1B, right? So there is a world where this is possible. And that that alone hurts Chubb's value because although it's unlikely, it's still very, very possible. And that's what makes Kareem Hunt later on such a great value, right? Because he'll have standalone value thanks to being in a PPR setting who's going to get more targets than Chubb is going to get. It just really boils down to 
who Stefanski prefers and how he's going to use both these running backs. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, but, you know, on the surface, Chubb is a very talented running back. I don't think there's any problem with him being that lead guy and um, leading this team. So. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Kareem Hunt is going 506 as the RB27. So I think he's uh, criminally undervalued at that spot. Not, maybe not criminally. Maybe criminally is a strong word. I think like a guy like Le'Veon Bell might be criminally underrated. Uh, but yeah, I think <laughs> is he being drafted? Yeah, he's Le'Veon is at RB20 and Kareem Hunt at RB27. So that's that's a that's pretty low at the 506 um, in a full PPR league. That's not bad right there. Especially, right. so especially let's, if you couldn't get like that, that you know that legit RB two like because you would like to all exactly. five receivers that fell, you know he's a guy that you might want to look at for some. <laughs> or if you took any wide receiver in the first three rounds, or right. the first, if you took more than one wide receiver in the first four rounds, then you might be looking at Chubb as your running back three. <laughs> or you, I'm not Chubb. I mean uh, Hunt. That's and the I mean. best thing about that is yeah, like, I'm yeah, he's he's gonna give you standalone value, um, but he also gives you the upside of Chubb where to get hurt, like it's over. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, coming in at number eleven for me is Miles Sanders. So I have Austin Eckler a little lower than some other people. I don't know where he's at for your rankings, or I, I don't even know if you do rankings, but wherever you have him in your mind. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I kind of uh, have them ranked. Like I actually did kind of rank these, rank them out, kind of in the order that I would take them. I guess that's where rankings are, right? Yeah. The way that I look at it is always, like with rankings is like I, I kind of frame it in, in, in the order that I would take them, not necessarily like where they would finish on the year. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that's what it should be. Because yeah. if, if you believe someone's going to finish over the other person, why would you not have them ranked higher? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if exactly. you feel like this person is going to do better, why would you not? So, right. but yeah, that's that's the way it should be. Um, Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders is a really really interesting guy. I mean, he in his rookie year he finishes the running back thirteen. I mean, running back fifteen, I believe it was. And Jordan Howard was leading the way in the first half of the year. Jordan Howard was the running back fifteen in the first half before he got injured. So Jordan Howard was doing pretty well to start off. Um, obviously this off season, Brandon Brooks. He, uh, what was it, torn Achilles, I yes. believe it was. So Brandon Brooks got a torn Achilles. He's going to miss the season. Um, it puts a damper on the offensive line, but at the same time, they'll have a great offensive line, even without Brandon Brooks there. They have Andre Dillard, who's going to be on that left tackle spot. Um, they have Lane Johnson. They have Jason Kelsey in the middle. They have uh, Isaac Sayamalu, I believe, on the left guard. So it's that right guard position that's going to be a little empty. There's potential rumors of them trading for Joe Thune from the Patriots, which would be really interesting. That would just put him right back into old shape. There's right. also rumors they might re-sign Jason Kelsey, which they could move some other guys around. And not Jason Kelsey. Uh, Jason Peters. Mm. Names tonight. That's what's messing me up, people's names. But if they re-sign Jason Peters, maybe they can move some of these guys around. But either way, it's still an above-average offensive line. And even if they don't have that top three offensive line without Brandon Brooks above average is just fine. Considering all the new deep threat weapons they have to stretch the field and hoping some combination of these guys can stay healthy is going to be really beneficial for Miles Sanders. Let's say you have 
Jalen Rigger, you have Deshaun Jackson, you have Marquise Goodwin, who at the very least is going to stretch the field. Alshon Jeffries, if he's healthy. Dallas Goddard, if he's done icing his face or his back of his head from getting sucker punched. Did you see that video, by the way? <laughs> yeah, dude. That came out of nowhere. That's insane. Knocked I, out. I, I'm just hoping. I, I'm just hoping I'm not out with my family in a restaurant someday. And some because people have a reason to punch me. Like, they have a reason to punch me. They don't have a reason to punch Dallas Goddard, right? Like I say, start right. this guy. Don't start I mean, this like, guy. Like I'll get sucker punched. Very, you're a very punchable face. Yeah. Thank you. Right. <laughs> like I think the beard like pushes up the cheeks and makes for good. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't have to find out one day. If you're listening to this, please don't punch me. But. <laughs> Because I will not take it as well as Dallas Goddard took it. <laughs> Dallas Goddard, he ended up getting up at some point. I I, I might not. <laughs> point being, with Miles Sanders, you know, wh- whoever that was, like, I hope that dude ended up getting his ass beat after that. Like I really did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I come hope on. there's he wasn't like even some... looking at you. He just like came out of nowhere, just blindsided him. The worst part is you punched a guy from Philly, from a Philly team. Like this guy can't go to Philadelphia anymore. Like, right. I hope he knows that. His mugshot's <laughs> gonna be out there. Like they know. That's true. Philadelphia people know. Like if they see him in the streets, they'll go after him. They but know. um point being, Miles Sanders is in a good situation. Obviously the big concern with him is a potential running back committee. Now, they haven't signed anyone threatening yet. Boston Scott is his biggest threat at the moment, who I don't really think is gonna be too much of a threat at all. He'll and you know, maybe be filtered in the passing game, whatever. But um rumors that they might take Devonte freeman that would put a little damper on him but still like he was sharing the load with jordan howard last year and he still finished as the running back 15 and in the beginning of the year he really wasn't seeing that much work at all so it really goes to show his potential and, and he'll be the running back 1a no matter who they add obviously so i i think he's in a good spot yeah 100 percent. i i think um when you See, when you look at what Jordan Howard did, like that was without him being that involved in the passing game, right? And then Miles Sanders comes in as the 1A when he got hurt, and it was just like, boom, like he's involved in the passing game. It's like right from the start, right? Um, Absolutely. I think, I think the closer the season gets, the more in I'll be on Miles Sanders, right? They're not signing anyone right now. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, you know, sign Shady. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be even that would even, be best case scenario. Be best case scenario. I'll be even more in on Sanders if that happens. Uh, Devontae Freeman, you know, he's washed in my opinion. But if he gets signed, mm-hmm. he'll probably have enough of a role to take away, you know, from Sanders, you know, where you'll kind of be like disappointed a lot of weeks at his price. Um, but as of right now, like if I'm drafting today, I'll draft Sanders in the beginning of the second in PPR leagues easy. Um, Absolutely. The, the dude, like, he had 50 catches last year, his rookie year. Um, you know, he balled out. When Jordan Howard was out, he was balling out. Run game, passing game. Um, and he was averaging 75% of snaps in those last seven games. Like, Boston Scott, like, I'm not worried about him. Um, I'm also not interested in him, by the way. Um, yeah. He'll have a role, but not enough to take away from Sanders, right? Um, who, you know, he averaged... Sanders averaged more than five targets per game during that span, you know, even with Boston Scott involved in the passing game, too. Uh, remember, Absolutely. like, they didn't have anybody catching the ball <laughs> for the Eagles last year. They needed somebody to step up, right? Like, Boston Scott, I feel like that's why he was getting that work. You know, not because they needed to take away from Sanders, but they just didn't have anyone else to throw the ball to besides their tight ends. Um, you know, exactly. and, and as far as the Doug Peterson thing goes, I'm like, I'm not really interested in that narrative, you know, when it comes to his split backfields. Like, I always have to combine that narrative, uh, if there is one, with the talent that he's had, 
right? The versatility yeah. that he's had in his main guy, you know, who, who else in that backfield does he trust? You know what I'm saying? Like rookies, does he play them? That sort of thing, right? Like if he has Devonta Freeman, yes, I do think he'll have it split to a point where it'll be annoying. But if he doesn't add Devonta Freeman, like I'm very in on Sanders because I don't think Peterson is in the business of splitting a backfield just to split it when he has a very talented and versatile running back, a young guy, right? Second year guy who can handle the workload. Absolutely. So I'm definitely buying into Sanders as my running back 11, but getting into my running back 12 here. Now I'm curious, where do you have Austin Eckler before I go in on him? Uh, Somewhere around there. Where did I put him at? Uh, 12. 12? Oh, wow. Look at that. Yep. I put him at 12. So I'm, Caesar both a little lower on him than other people. I, I I don't I don't understand the narrative of that because Melvin Gordon's gone. He's just going to continue being that high end RB one that he was in the very beginning when Melvin Gordon was holding out. I really don't see that to be the case. Um, he Austin Eckler saw an insane amount of passing volume. He was second just overall if you look at like receptions, targets, whatever average all that out. He was second right behind Christian McCaffrey. But if you look at him as a runner, he really didn't do all that much at all. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who they have filter in at the running, uh, you know, filter in to take those early down carries. Now, if you think of him as a wide receiver, because that's basically what he is. He's basically a wide receiver who dabbles into the running game, right? Now, he had eight receiving touchdowns last year. He had three on the ground, which most of them, I think all of them came when Melvin Gordon was out. All of, but, them came in, all of them came in the first four games. Yeah. So all his rushing touchdowns came out early. So you can you can erase those, right? Because we're talking about with Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly there, I really don't think he keeps that rule at all. Obviously, Melvin Gordon's a different type. He's got the edge for the, uh, for the red zone. But with Tyrod Taylor and a rookie, you have to downgrade this offense from what it was with Phillip Rivers. So I, I think... If anything, he had 11 total touchdowns. I would half that at the very least. I would say he gets maybe five, maybe six if he keeps that same passing down roll. So let's say he has – ready? We're going to do some math right here. Live on camera. We're doing math. <laughs> so let's say he gets 850 receiving yards. Okay. Um, How much rushing yards should we give him? Maybe like – I would say – 300 for good measure, 350. Uh, what do you have last year? How many rushing yards? Only 300 for Eckler? Yeah. No, I think I'd give him more than that. I would, I would, I would give him like 200 carries in the year, maybe. And then like if he averages four yards a carry, that's about 800 yards. Now he had 500 yards last year. Okay. So you're going to give it 800? I'm going to give Eckler 800 rushing yards. Yeah, about that. Because I, I think he gets 200 carries or so. Um, I, I, think... I don't see that. I think he's going to get like 150 at most. I think it'll be similar to where he was last year in the rushing game. Cause I think they've already said, so like I have here that they're going to have a rotation with the running backs with potentially yeah. three running backs with Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, the rookie they drafted pretty late into the draft and Austin Eckler. Now, if you look at the fact that with hey, Tyrod man, Taylor, I was going to say this. I think Justin Jackson's toast. I think he's toast. I think it's going to be Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler. Just wanted to say that. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I, I was high on Justin Jackson before they took <laughs> Kelly, but it's unfortunate how that turned out for him. But point being, like, someone else is going to try to filter in those early downs. And then you have to downgrade the offense. Assume they're going to be playing from behind with Tyrod Taylor, QB, and a rookie. So in that sense, they're going to be passing the ball more. They're not going to have as much opportunity to run. 
I, I don't know. I, I'm just really not high on Eckler. I think he's due for major regression when it comes to, I don't think he's going to see the same amount of targets. I don't think he gets anywhere close to the same amount of touchdowns. Uh, you, you have to downgrade him a lot in that sense. And he really does become like, I he, I don't view him as a three down back. I don't know. Yeah, I no, view him I, as a glorified pass catching back. Yeah, he is a pass catching back. You know, um, his yards per carry wasn't even that high, and like obviously yards per carry isn't uh, you know a stat that you judge running backs by, but he is part of this offense still. So I'm judging him as a, a player in that offense, right? So like. The him and that offensive line generated this many yards per carry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was, and it wasn't like great. Like over those first four games, like let me see, what was it? First four games, um, you know, three point nine three yards per attempt, and like that's not good. Like, you know, that's not what you would call a, a successful, uh, successful play or like successful efficiency. Um, and during those first four games is when Austin Eckler scored six touchdowns. You know, um, so that added to the allure of him being such a high-end RB1 while Melvin Gordon was out. That that wasn't going to continue for, like, the rest of the rest of the year. Um, so, and when you look at Tyrod Taylor coming in, so you look back, 2017 was really when Tyrod Taylor's last full season, you know, that was his last full season pretty much. Uh, coming into 2018, uh, he, was a, he was top five in targeting running backs among all quarterbacks. Um, throughout their careers, right? Philip Rivers happens to throw at a higher rate to running backs uh, with a much bigger sample size. Um, and he's a lot more accurate as well to the running backs. Um, but Rivers, you know, ha- ha- he's also had some great running backs, like pass catching running backs over his career. Like he LT. has really, really <laughs> LT, Darren Sproles, a bunch of, a bunch of guys, right? Um, but, you know, like you would expect Eckler to take a little bit of a hit because of that. Nothing crazy. I think... He's still a pass-first type of running back, so a good chunk of his opportunity will be through the air. Um, I would say his floor is probably like a like a mid RB two in PPR, but I don't think his ceiling is as high as what people think. Um, yeah. He's being drafted as a R, as the RB seventeen in PPR league, so not too bad. Um, but Wait. the thing is that yeah, he's being drafted from the RB seventeen in PPR. Yeah, but remember, like remember where these guys are being taken, right? Uh, let me see where he's being taken. I don't oh, think it's the RB seventeen. No, no, you're right. You're right. He's actually being drafted as the RB twelve. Um, I don't know. Oh, you know what I was doing? I probably looked at Melvin. I was no, I was looking at Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's the RB seventeen. Oh, okay. So in my mind, I probably just flipped it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but no, RB twelve. So no, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think I don't think I would I would even go there. Like, you know, give me some good news on Clyde Edwards Hilaire and I'm I'm grabbing him honestly. Um but that's 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 for later. Um that's um, for right after this actually. Oh okay, okay, there you go. Um the, so. the, I think I'm I'm really good with these segues honestly, but uh, I'm going to keep talking about Eckler for a second. Um sure. So I I think that the thing with him is that he'll probably be like top I would say top 10 in snap percentage. So I do like that. Right, and that's why his floor will be relatively high, and we do know what his ceiling is. Um, but you know, Shady McCoy was able to have a great season with Tyrod, uh, but he's a more of a traditional running back in the sense where he'll, where he'll, like you said, he'll get a ton of work in the run game, you know, as well as the passing game. Right? Um, Shady was on pace for probably around like 50 to 70 carries more than Eckler was before Gordon came back last year, you know, in his offense. But it was a totally different offense, right? So you can't really compare it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you said that, you know, he's not really a three-down back. Like, you have to just look at his build. He's 5'10", 200. 
that's like my size right just i guess a little bit more muscular maybe like just a little bit um but yeah like he he was good through the first four games at 70 percent of snaps but will he last a full season at that size if he continues to get work like he was getting like the rest of the way was about 50%, right, when Gordon came back. Mm-hmm. And that sounds about right to me, right, If you to keep him healthy. So I think he's slightly risky at that spot. You add the fact that, you know, like you said, fourth-round rookie Josh Kelly comes in. Uh, he should get some work. Um, so at that spot, I'm probably looking at a high-end wide receiver. You know, at that point, everyone going running back and wide receivers are falling, especially in those three wide receiver leagues, which I play in mostly anyway. Yeah. So and another thing about um... – Austin Eckler, and I can't get over this comment by Anthony Lynn, and it sucks because I can't find it either. I, but I swear <laughs> it happened. It was well, it was in Austin Eckler's first like breakout season, right? Um, I think Melvin Gordon was hurt, and Austin Eckler was getting a lot of extra playing time. And after the game, they asked him, "Was like, do you want to get Eckler more involved in the offense?" And he said, uh, "He's a special teams player." And and we don't want to put all that work on him. He's going to go back oh, to special teams. We're going to lessen that. his work. Do you remember hearing something like so. that? And I think I, do. I can't get over that because after <laughs> seeing how well he did, Anthony Lynn just basically straight up called him a special teams player. And for, for me, that's something I can't let go of because when I look at like bringing in Joshua Kelly, even Justin Jackson, who's on a short leash, um, I, I, I just see them – taking priority on the ground. And if either of them have like top capabilities in the receiving game, they could take a lot of work from Austin Eckler. I don't think Austin Eckler's job is as safe as we feel. Obviously the receiving, we, if we look at him as a receiver, I think he's definitely got a, a decent floor where, like you said, maybe like a low end running back two at the very least, uh, or you, you call him like a mid running back two, which is fine. But point being, I don't know. I, I don't know if that quote really does anything, but I remember seeing that, and I can't find it. I've looked so hard over so many years to try and find it. You Google search Anthony Lynn special teams Austin Eckler, like nothing shows up. It just doesn't work. So that's I'll, I'll end uh, my Austin Eckler rant and bias toward him with that statement. But let's move on to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So as we know, Andy Reid has a long history of uh workhorse running backs right so with andy reed ready i have a list here from my post about glide edwards hilaire about andy reed's running back finishes since 2013 2013 with the kansas city chiefs jamal charles was the running back one 2014 jamal charles was the running back seven 2015 Charkandrick West was the running back 35, but Jamal Charles was the running back 2 in points per game until he got hurt. Once he got hurt, he didn't have his guy, and Charkandrick West didn't finish the year all that well. But when he did come in, Charkandrick West did look pretty good. 2016, Spencer Ware was the running back 17, and he split work with West. So at the very least, he was the running back 17, and that was splitting the work. Uh, Spencer Ware kind of came on hot towards the end. He ended up being the guy. If you looked at it's hard to get a points per game with this because they're both on the field so they're both like you know getting the points but as starters i wish i could have found that stat i'm sure their points per game were in the top 10 because even spencer Ware at the end of 2016 we're like wow like this is the guy right so then we move to 2017 the kareem hunt era however short that lasted with andy reed so kareem hunt was the running back four in his rookie year 
and Kareem Hunt was the running back 12 in the following year. As we know, he was suspended and released, um, but he was still the running back eight in points per game. So then you get to 2019, the outlier year where Damian Williams was the running back 38. They could not get the running game figured out. When Andy Reid likes his guy, he's going to give him the work. And I don't know what says you like your guy more than drafting him in the first round. And Patrick Mahomes handpicking you. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about Clyde. I mean, I, honestly, people, there's people out there who make the argument Clyde isn't that good, right? Maybe he's not that good because he was a product of the LSU offense. The year before, there was nothing to all that exp- impressive about Clyde. You talk about his receiving game ability. There's still that. But point being, this offense is going to make anybody look good. I mean, listen to the names I listed. Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West, Damian Williams, who before he left the Dolphins wasn't really all that notable at all. So there's definitely a lot of room for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to have a huge year with the Chiefs. The only reason he's at running back 13 is because there hasn't been any indication of him being the full-time starter yet. Um, And obviously with... COVID and everything going on. It's not the same off-season program, and we don't have training camp or anything right now to look at. So um, hoping in the future we get a little more of a clear case. And like you said, I'll probably end up moving him up a little more. But Andy Reid loves his workhorse running backs. When he likes a guy, he's going to give him the work. And it's not hard for him to like the guy. So I'm all on board in Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the late second round. Yeah, and, and honestly, like, these guys don't even have to get that full workload, right? Like, they don't have to be yeah. that full workhorse um, in the Andy Reid offense. Like, Damian Williams, over the past couple of years, like, if when he played more than 60% of snaps, um, he averaged more than – he averaged 25 fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. Yep. I mean, that's crazy. That's insane. Right? I mean, <laughs> that just tells you what the value is there. But Andy Reid just isn't, doesn't trust him, right? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, mm-hmm. he's entering the best offense – one of the best offenses in the NFL. I think the best landing spot for a running back. Um, like you said, Andy Reid's running backs have historically been amazing fantasy assets. We're talking like RB1s like almost all across the board, right? Um, un- an undrafted guy like Damian Williams, who has like a limited skill set, you know, still was able to get it done when he got the opportunity, but he just wasn't good enough to be given enough of a workload or the confidence, like you said, from Andy Reid to have some of the offense run through them when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like why Absolutely. hand the ball off to Damian Williams when you you have Patrick Mahomes and Damian Williams is going to be able to, you know, you know, get those big plays and all that kind of stuff because everyone's just focused on stopping Patrick Mahomes. Um, and Andy Reid, you know, uh, through, through, you know, secondhand has said that he thinks that Edwards Hilaire is better, a better player than Brian Westbrook was coming out. So, we know that Brian Westbrook was, you know, a ridiculous asset under Andy Reid, RB1 multiple seasons, um, you know, extremely versatile. And there are a lot of comparisons between these two backs. So if the usage is there, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to kill it. He caught the most balls of any running back in the SEC over the past 20 years. You know, he's a good runner. Um, you know, he actually, like, ranked high in forced missed tackles and yards after contact per attempt. You know, that's not a problem Those are the all. important ones. Yeah, exactly. Those are important stats that, that correlate to good fan, good success in the NFL. So it's not really a part of the offense. Like, he happens to be good also, right? And when you combine that with first-round draft capital, the low confidence Reed has shown in Damian Williams last season, signing Shady to try and save his backfield, you know, given Darren Williams looks over Damian Williams at times. I mean, come on, 
right? Edwards Hilaire is going to be the guy. Reed doesn't have an issue utilizing rookie running backs. When LaShawn McCoy was drafted by Andy Reed, Brian Westbrook was still there, right? And when Brian Westbrook was drafted, Deuce Staley was still there. So it's not the same thing, right? I don't see a scenario where Edwards Hilaire isn't utilized to a point where you won't be happy with where you drafted him, right? Um, I'm still going to listen out, right, for Andy Reed's comments, you know, on this backfield, how these reps are split, you know, if there is ever a training camp in preseason, you know, just to be sure, right? Like, if you're going to spend, like, an Absolutely. early round, second round, you know, second round pick on, on the guy, you want to kind of be sure that he's going to get to work, right? Um, but, you know, when, when Damian Williams, like I said, played X, X amount of snaps, like, he killed it. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think that there isn't um, much of a, you know, chance where, uh, he's like playing second fiddle at times to Damian Williams. I really don't. And that, that's why Damian Williams was so overdrafted last year, right? I mean, because of who Andy Reid is, he isn't known to not give his starting running back the work. But the second they signed Shady in that last minute before the season started, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> right, and keep in mind, oh, no. like, we, were, we were drafting Damian Williams in the third round last year in full PPR leagues. Right, and he was an undrafted guy who had a small sample size. So if you drafted Damian Williams last year in the third round, you better be drafting Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the second round this year, because the reason why Absolutely. you drafted Damian Williams now you got the draft capital to go on top of it, and he's a good running back. Like that's kind of like how I look at it, right? For Damian was, Williams, the only thing he had to go off was like a three, four million dollar contract. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> So getting into our next guy here, um, one guy you really like is Le'Veon Bell. So I have Le'Veon Bell at 14. I picked him in the throne league. I was really hyped about getting him. And when I first looked at the situation from the outside, I was like, I don't know how I feel about Bell. Like, it seems like Gase doesn't really like him. Uh, He didn't do too hot last year. But there's a lot to like about Le'Veon Bell. And one of the things that we keep talking about is volume. And you really have to follow the volume. So... Le'Veon Bell averaged 20.7 touches per game last season, right? Uh, now he's going to this year with an upgraded offensive line. And just by drafting Mekhi Becton and signing George Fant, and I think they even who Connor McGovern they added as well. Yep. So with those three guys, that's already a drastic improvement from what they had last year. So they have that going for them. Um, so Le'Veon Bell also had low touchdown and low yards per carry numbers last year, which indicates positive regression going to the next year because he can only improve from that point, three, right? Three rushing touchdowns. Three rushing four, touchdowns. That's four, bound to go. Total, four total touchdowns. Exactly. And there's, I, I don't see a scenario where he does not improve on that. I'm sorry. It's just, he, he has to. So, and then maybe you look at the situation and you go, Okay, what if they give Frank Gore extra work, or what if they get some other guys involved? Well, he had seventh most, the seventh most targets last year, and there are theoretically there are 183 vacated targets between Robbie Anderson leaving, between the other two running backs leaving. Um, I believe it was like some of the other wide receivers that like Demarius Thomas was a big one that a lot of people right. don't really know about. So there's a lot of targets available theoretically, which could go for. Denzel Perryman. I mean, uh, I just combined the two of them. Rashad Perryman and Denzel Mims. Um, and there's 91, 91 rushes theoretically available from Bilal Powell and uh, Ty Montgomery leaving as well. And Ty Montgomery is a big, Ty Montgomery is a big one. 
that left too. So nothing suggests he's going to get any less work, even with Frank Gore there. Frank Gore isn't going to absorb all that work at his age. He's still playing well, but he's going to be a complimentary guy at the very best. So Le'Veon Bell's definitely in for a bounce back year. Nothing suggests that anything is nothing that he's going to be less efficient. And you kind of have to erase those first like four or five games where Sam Darnold had a mono and they had no quarterback at all because just nobody could produce anything in those games. And it really hindered all of their points per game for the rest of the year. So Le'Veon Bell is still a valuable asset to that team. He's still being paid a lot of money to catch the ball a ton and run the ball a lot. He's in good shape. Hopefully he comes in this year better shape than he did last year. Cause remember last year he came in and he didn't play at all the year before. So there's a lot to like about Le'Veon Bell going into this year. Yeah, you make a lot of good points, man. Um, he's a good value. Like He's one of my biggest targets this year, really just because of the price. He's being drafted as a borderline RB3. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Like, it's getting crazy out here, dude. Like, that's nuts. Like, what about Frank Gore, man? Like, I get it, man. Gase loves Frank Gore, sure. He loves it, man. You know, but, I mean, you got to look at Gore's competition, right? Like, it was, yeah, I talked... I talked a lot about Kenyon Drake and how I'm a fan of Kenyon Drake and I like him, but like it just didn't work that way for Adam Gase. He just didn't like Kenyon Drake. And I think part of the reason yeah. why Kenyon Drake was always looking for the big play. Um, and he, Frank Gord got the yards and I don't think that's going to be a problem with Cliff Kingsbury's offense. That's what he wants. Um, but Kenyon Drake, you know, he is and was super capable, but he wasn't Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell does everything right. Right. Um, as a running back and people seem to forget how talented bell is like he still has it you know when you look at his numbers last year a lot of the struggles can be placed on the offensive line and the offense in general that old line is improved like you said to a mediocre spot and that will make all the difference um and bell he was one of the few guys who was like playing 90 percent of snaps last season at times are you seriously going to draft somebody you know in the fourth round or the end mm-hmm. of the third round who's playing 90 percent of snaps and he's levy on bell like come on dude so if that gets reduced to even 75%, like I'll take that all day. Um, there's Absolutely. only going to be like there's only going to be like five running backs that even get that much playing time. So um, his volume in the passing game kept him afloat as a high end RB two most of last year, and that's his floor, to be honest. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, dude. Like honestly, like I'm 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 in on him at that price. Uh, I mentioned it. Uh, I posted. What's the it earliest up. you would take him? Would you take yeah, him like, in the late second? I would. I'm going to take him in late second. Yeah, I would, I would take him over a lot of guys, man. Like, I'm looking – let me look at this list real quick. I'll take him over Aaron Jones. Um, yeah. But I feel like I would like – and not that I would take him in the middle of second, but more like I would just slot Aaron Jones a lot further down than he would be. Um, yeah, like I'll take him over David Johnson. I'll take him over James Conner. But those are the guys who are going right, right around him. So, yeah, I would say like early third round is probably the earliest I would take him. Um, I think him and um, – at the end, of the, since he's going so late, like if you're in a like somewhat of a sharp league, like you're gonna have to take him a little earlier. Um, but based on a lot of these mocks I'm seeing, like end of third round, like him and Allen Robinson are like my main targets around that spot. You know, end of third round ish. Um, so yeah, just because of the value, really. That's all it is with Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely, and that that's where I am with Le'Veon Bell. And you mentioned another guy in there who would take him over, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is my 15th ranked running back. For a lot of people, he's inside their top 10. Some people have him at 12. Um, I have him a good amount lower. He had 18 rushing touchdowns last year. What was it, 18 or 16? I don't even know on top of my head. I think it was 18. Yeah, so it was 16 rushing and 19 total. Yes, so 19 total touchdowns this year. last year. That's 
not going to happen again. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> but um, it's even Matt LaFleur's scheme is great for like getting that type of work. We saw that with Terrick Henry. And um, so, yeah, w- with 19 total touchdowns, he's bound to regress. He's going to get some serious regression next year. Um, and one of the biggest reasons is because A.J. Dillon, which is Matt LaFleur's new Derrick Henry. I mean, he's got similar build. Obviously, you can't get all that close to Derrick Henry's beast of a body. But A.J. Dillon's pretty similar to that. And A.J. Dillon's going to be used on those end zone. He's going to be using those short yardage plays. And he can knock Aaron Jones' touchdowns in half. And Aaron Jones is in a contract year, which normally could be a good thing. But at the same time, I feel like Aaron Jones played his heart out last year. If he's not getting a contract, I don't think doing the same thing is going to help him this year. I, I don't think they they saw who we was last year and they still ended up drafting another guy. So it's clear they don't want to pay him, right? It's clear they're getting ready to move yes. on from him. It's just, that's just, that says like, no, that screams no job security to me. Right. Right. Between Jamal Williams being a pass catching specialist, not that Aaron Jones isn't because Aaron Jones can be that guy. But point being, you have someone who can take some passing down work. You have someone who could take his coveted, goal line touches and Aaron Jones is still an explosive back, but you're depending on him being explosive. You're depending on him not being hurt and not having these nagging injuries. And you're also depending on AJ Dillon, not having a role at all, which is, you know, that that could AJ Dillon could have a huge role on this team. He could end up being the lead back by the time the year's over. We just don't know with Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur has never liked Aaron Jones. I just want to make this clear. Even when Matt LaFleur was just named the head coach for the Packers, I remember the interview. I think it was well, he interviewed Matt Berry, and he was like, "What do you think of the running backs?" He's like, "I think uh, Jamal Williams has good, some good capabilities." And then he immediately talked down Aaron Jones as a uh, pass protector. He's like, "He needs to work on pass protection." He didn't mention anything about him being explosive. He just jumped straight to like, "To do this better, he needs this better," and he just refused to give him the workload until Jamal Williams got hurt. I don't know. It's just LaFleur does not like Aaron Jones for whatever reason. They drafted his shiny new Derrick Henry. There's just no job security with Aaron Jones. His floor is so low. His upside's still high, right? And that's why we right. have him 15, because of what he did last year. And if he does end up being the lead guy, maybe they play him out for the rest of the year, then ditch him. Sure, he could offer that type of value. But I just don't like the fact that he has no job security. And that's yeah. why I'm a 15. He, he's going to have to take like a team-friendly deal like uh, Austin Eckler did. Like He's going to have to take that type of deal if he's going to want to stay with the Packers. He wanted, he said that he wants to be a Packer for life, but we'll see if he really means that, right? Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm out. Like You know me already. Like You probably know my stance on Aaron Jones. <laughs> I'm out on Aaron Jones. Like Second round, dude, Like get, get out of here. I mean, he yeah. scored... You know, ridiculous. 19 touchdowns last year. Extremely unsustainable. Um, he was only averaging 15 touches per game with Jamal Williams as his complement. And mm-hmm. uh, Jamal Williams isn't that good. You know, yeah. I, I don't think so. And now they have A.J. Dillon, who's a huge upgrade over Jamal Williams. So that 15 touches per game that Aaron Jones was getting um, will likely either stay stagnant or go down. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes down by a touch. You know what I mean? Like... I wouldn't be surprised. We know that Matt LaFleur is not a fan of workhorse running backs. Um, he wanted to add a third running back to the mix. That's what he said before the draft, and he did that. Yeah. I do think that Dylan, like, leapfrogs uh, Williams pretty easily. And I lean towards this being, like, a more of a one-two punch between Jones and Dylan. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Dylan is the main bruiser on this offense because that's what he is. 
Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Or the if, goal line either. Would you be surprised if Aaron Jones is still the goal line back? Like, I would be very surprised. Yeah, I would be surprised if the five foot nine guy is the goal <laughs> exactly. line back behind the beast of Aaron Dill- of uh, AJ Dillon. A lot of people don't realize like the stature of Aaron Jones. I'll, I'll get exactly. his exact measurements right now because we who were we talking about before well, that wasn't they, good. Uh, he looks exactly Derek. Like his size is like pretty much Derek Henry. He's like he's uh like six one two fifty or something like that two forty. So let's see. Right now I'm pulling up Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is five foot nine two hundred eight. So we, right. we talked about Austin Eckler being what five foot ten, two hundred, right. and we're like, there's no way he could sustain a whole season. Right. Aaron Jones is not too far off from that. So let's do AJ Dillon, right? AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon, six foot two hundred forty-seven. Right. And it, I mean, and I've seen some people have him as six foot one. Exactly. So if you look at these two guys, one looks like Derrick Henry. And mm-hmm. plays a lot like him, and one guy is Aaron Jones. So, like, who are you giving the goal line carries to? Remember that picture that we saw last year? Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. Exactly, exactly. How, 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 tall is, how tall is Deion Lewis? Actually, how short is he? That's I guess that's the question. Deion Lewis is five foot eight. Derrick Henry six foot three. Okay, so Aaron Jones is a, a, a two two inches taller than uh, Deion Lewis. Um, but still, I mean, it's, it's a big size difference right there. Um, and like Aaron Jones got a lot of his touchdowns. <laughs> AJ Dillon's 50 pounds, like 40, 50 pounds heavier <laughs> than Aaron Jones. So. I think that's a no brainer, dude. I think that's a no brainer. So I, I don't, I don't understand. I can, I, I, I get it. Like Aaron Jones was, I think he finished as the number two overall running back last year, but for me to draft him in the, in, as the RB 13, nah, dude, not this year. Uh, I might even move him lower than 15 now that we're talking. It is what happens. I always move guys lower. <laughs> it's now, tough. I know it's, I'm going to get a question. When you, when you think about like where they'll where they'll finish, right? Like, yeah, can he finish at RB, as RB15? Sure. But like, are you going to be happy with his week-to-week consistency? I don't know. Exactly. Now, I do want to mention one more guy because we're going to get the question. You forgot to say Leonard Fournette. Why didn't you talk about Leonard Fournette? I mean, he only had three touchdowns last year. He was on the field the second most behind Christian well, McCaffrey. Like, we'll talk about him next episode, Joe. We. So you guys are gonna have to wait for that. No, that no, was a little no. teaser, I guess. <laughs> no, dude, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> no, no, do it, do it, do it. Uh, okay, so I just want to bring up the fact that we'll go over this quickly. First of all. Just like we talked about how Matt LaFleur does not like Aaron Jones, the Jaguars hate Leonard Fournette. I mean, after drafting this guy fourth overall, you think they'd like him a little better. But they've been trying to sell this guy for like two years now. They've been trying to get him off their team. I just hit my mic. They've been trying to get him off the team for so long now. And it just – I don't like the fact that he could be traded midseason into a crappy situation and ruin the whole entire year for you, right? Like there's a realistic possibility – I'd be surprised because Leonard Fournette is going to be a free agent after the season. So if they don't trade him now, they aren't going to get any value for him for their fourth overall pick. So I, I think Leonard Fournette can definitely be traded before the deadline. You don't know what kind of situation he's going to be in. And even if he stays on the team, this is transitioning into a pass oriented offense. It was a run heavy offense. Now we're going to a pass oriented offense with Jay Gruden there. Jay Gruden has his guy, Chris Thompson, you know, in that backfield, Chris Thompson can eat up a lot, if not most, of those 
uh, targets that Leonard Fournette had last year, which was a crazy amount. And then you have LaVisca Chenault, who can also take some of those targets. So I, I just – job security is very low, just like we talked about with Aaron Jones. Um, and then on top of that, him being traded is the biggest thing for me. Like, if I could redo my rankings after he doesn't get traded, I might put him a lot higher. But point being, there's a huge possibility of him being traded. And they, they tried to move him before the draft. During the draft, they tried to move him a bunch. He just couldn't get any deals. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you, you, you mentioned Chris Thompson. Like, that's my main issue with Leonard, Williams, with, with Leonard Fournette. Like, okay, so here's the thing. Jay Gruden loves Chris Thompson. He's always been his third down passing down back. Um, so we should we should expect less from Fournette on third downs. But when was the last time Chris Thompson actually stayed healthy for more than like four games? Right? And that's 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 the thing, right? It's like we can project Chris Thompson to take that role, and I do. Like I fully expect Fournette to get get his ass off the field on third downs and in passing situations, have Chris Thompson in there. Um, but is Chris Thompson even going to be healthy, right? So, depending on how 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 far Fournette falls, like I'll be okay with him um, at that spot. But where he's going, he's going at as the RB sixteen, um, and the guys going after him: Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Chris Carson. Like I think I'd rather have almost all of those guys uh, in full PPR leagues. Uh, I don't know about David Johnson, but well, I don't know. I haven't decided that yet. Um, but I have. I think I'd rather have all those guys over Fournette uh, because of that. And I don't think that even if um, even if Fournette, uh, even if Chris Thompson were to get hurt, I'm not convinced that Fournette will assume the third down duties um, because Jay Gruden never did that in Washington. Like mm-hmm. he always found a replacement third down passing passing down back, even though it was like the scrub of the scrubs on some Wendell Smallwood. Yeah, not even Wendell Smallwood, dude. Like he had like the, like he picked up like a Byron dude. Marshall. There you go. Who was it? Byron Marshall, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, dude. Like you're picking up some dude off like the Colts practice squad. And, like when you have like legit football players on your team. Like come on. Um, that guy's gonna be right call Armstead. Yeah, you never know. It could be Armstead. Armstead did well in the passing game. I think the only touchdown he had was a receiving touchdown. Yeah, so I think I think that's a very likely possibility. So um, I wouldn't. I would kind of steer clear of Fournette this year at his price. I liked him last year a lot uh, because he was going to be that three-down workhorse, and we knew that. Uh, but this year, we don't. So that's that's the issue that I have. All right. Well, that's going to do it. We just covered the first 15, 16 running backs in this episode. Um, we're going to be doing another episode, so stay tuned for that. We're going to be going over some of the later running backs. Uh, yeah. That's going to do it. I don't know how long because uh, we technically had to cut this into two pieces, but I, I assume we're somewhere approaching two hours or something. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we're about 90 minutes. I've had to mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, so maybe a little more than that. Yeah. A lot of running back talk. Yeah. I need some water. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening. As always, if you aren't following us, I'm fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. That's Upperhand Fantasy. Uh, is there anything you want to say to no, end I, out the episode? That's it. Just uh, everyone stay safe. Uh, and, um, yeah, just just chill out. Everyone just relax. Be happy. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Let's um, hope we'll talk to you guys. Football. Let's hope we have a football season. Yes, we need to get our mind off stuff for sure. Absolutely. So, all right, take care.